Here's the thing. I, I, I have a gripe about music theory. It, it's like it's not this mystical thing that you that like no one can understand. It's basically saying like, for instance, the background of uh, um, the chat right now is blue. So like just knowing that it's blue is going to help with like if someone says, hey, we need more blue in the song. It's like, oh, OK, I know how to make that. Yo, what's good? This is Clint, your host on the Music Is My Business podcast, the podcast where you can gain insight and learn proven strategies to build and monetize your music career. If you want your questions answered live, join me on YouTube at Clint Music on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time and let's chop it up. Now let's dig into this week's episode. Yo, 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 what's good, people? Welcome to the channel where we talk about music licensing, music production, and music business. If you love any of the previously mentioned, make sure you subscribe so you can stay up to date on all the latest content and hit that bell icon so you know exactly when that new content drops. Why is Sony not focusing my face? Come on, Sony, get it, get it together. Um, so welcome to another episode of the Music Is My Business podcast. Um, it's a live Q&A and we got a guest today, uh, which I'm, I'm super excited to introduce. Um, we're probably going to just literally just geek out on sync. It's going to be sync overdrive today. So I hope you all ready and you guys have your questions packed. Let me know where you guys are from. Let me know what you do. Drop it in the comments. I see my guy, the BTZ in the building. Appreciate that, man. Glad to see you. Um, Floric Music is in the building. What's good, Floric? Um, so yeah, so today I got my guy. Uh, he goes by Josh Williams. You may know him as J Will on Instagram or on TikTok. I know he's he's putting so much dope information out there on Sync um, that is it's just really hard to ignore this space in music. If you're a producer, musician, artist, you really need to be taking advantage of Sync, and we're going to kind of talk about that and his story and journey and all of that stuff. Um, we got Michael Connor music in the building. Matt Risco, what's up? B. Lewis, my guy, what's good, man? Um, so without further ado, man, let's introduce my guy jay will what's good bro hey what's going on guys how are you man good good i appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on and um you know answer some of these sync questions and you know give us a, a little bit of backstory on your your sync journey so i guess introduce yourself man let the people know who you are and and what you do yeah well well first of all thanks so much again clint for letting me uh come on i i I'm a huge fan of the the uh, the live feedback sessions and stuff that you do. Very very cool information. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm. My name is Josh Williams. I go by XJ Will on social medias everywhere. Um, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, but I live in Kansas City, Missouri, which is again just kind of Midwest, middle of nowhere in the nice. states. Um, it's really really cool because it's cheap to live here. So like anytime I need to fly to Los Angeles, Atlanta, New York, it's a pretty cheap flight. Nice. Um, I got into sync licensing a very weird way. I started out. I'm actually, let me see. Do I have it over here? I'm actually low key, uh, trumpet player. Oh, and sweet. so I, I got into music through like hearing star Wars when I was a kid and I was like, yo, this is dope. And, um, I wanted to play French horn, but like the, I mean, those are like super expensive. So the school was like, if you ain't taking lessons, like we can't give you this. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I got a jazz scholarship into school at a conservatory here mm -hmm. um, for, for music. But I realized that no one ever asked you for a music degree when they need something from you. So like from there, I uh, did a really cool. Uh, I did a couple different like international tours with like um, different bands and things like that as a side um, mercenary, if you will, with yeah. like horn lines and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um but eventually when i got back i realized like yo like i'm 26 now or then and um i was like yo i'm off my parents health insurance like how is this gonna work and then what solidified it was that um my one of the adjunct faculty members from the school i was at invited me to a concert and i found out it was for it was for uh it was a benefit concert for his health insurance and for like surgery that he needed so i was like oh my future awaits like i'll figure out something <laughs> <way to> this <laughs> figure this out be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this could be me in like 30 years so i was like trying to figure out what's a better way to live off my music without um having to be out in the field all the time because i mean like obviously as you get older you might not want to be doing late night club gigs all the time 
Yeah. So like, um, that's how I got into publishing, which led me to sync. Wow. That's that's super dope, man. I, like everybody has like, you know, their their unique story on, on how they kind of stumbled across this this segment of, of the music industry. Um, so that's dope, man. Like, man. So <clears throat> so you went to you went to school. You got some some education behind, you know, your, your craft and things like that. Um, and then you quickly realize like you have to find some ways to to make money with your with your music. Like, was it something like how did you I guess what was your first approach when you learned about sync and like what was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to do this or I'm going to sign up for that or I'm going to reach out to a supervisor. Like, what was your initial approach when you first got started? So when I first got started, before I got into sync, I was like publishing like Michael Jackson, their estates, like everybody that actually doesn't tour anymore. And obviously didn't get paid via streams. Like, how are they still getting paid? And I was like, oh, it's publishing. So uh, while I was working with, a, I ran like a, a Neo Soul uh, group that we did like different stuff around the Midwest. And so I was like, guys, we're not playing covers anymore. Like Jill Scott's great. Don't get me wrong. But like, we got to start playing our own music. And everybody was like, oh, I don't want to. Like, what's the point? Like, but eventually what happened is that we started uh, logging that stuff into like BMI Live and things of that nature. So anytime we were playing a live performance, we get a royalty check for it. So we were getting paid like twice for the same gig. Yeah. And from there, um, I realized like as jazz musicians, all we do is improvise off of what we're seeing or what we're feeling and interacting with other musicians. So I'm like, it's kind of what you do with writing film scores anyway. Right. Right. So um, that's when I was like, my wife actually suggested, she was like, why don't you like start writing for like TV shows and stuff like that? I was like, I want to write for like jingles and stuff like that. I didn't, I didn't really understand. And so um, when I got into it at first with the film side of things, uh, I tried to reach out to like local um, directors and stuff like that, but there's no budget in the Midwest for like huge movies to make a living off of. So, um, Although they do have some nice subsidies, which is cool. Yeah. But like um, what happened, I got into stock music first okay. and wasn't finding a lot of um, I, my artist cup wasn't being fulfilled enough because mm. writing corporate music sometimes isn't as f- fulfilling for me because there's not a lot of energy sometimes. Yeah. And so that's how I got into looking at music libraries for uh, actually, I think it might have I might have found one of your videos and was like, yo, like this makes way more sense than just writing stock music. Oh, wow! so uh, that's how I kind of got into um, pitching the music libraries and things of that nature. Yeah, that's super dope, man. Um, yeah. First, I love jazz and neo soul as well. Like that was because um, I, I grew up I was like a musician first. So, you know, grew up mm-hmm. during college. I was playing for for groups and bands and. Uh, we had like a, a neo soul jazz band and yeah dude it was kind of like the same thing it's like i mean you can you can only gig for so long before you start getting worn out breaking up setting up breaking down it's uh, fun young man's game man it is man and then yeah and then after a while you just get to a point where he's like yo like it takes so much time to learn the song uh, rehearsing the song rehearsals um that yeah i was just like i don't want to do this for the rest of my life i would hate to be touring on the road with gas prices right now oh my gosh super expensive um so that's crazy man shout out to the midwest i'm from ohio actually i yeah yeah dude i i me and my brother we drove through missouri actually we stopped in was it kansas city we stopped we stopped for the night in kansas city because we went we drove all the way from ohio to Arizona, like from east to west coast, to get him all set up. And um, he's in the uh, Air Force, so he was kind of relocating from Ohio to to Arizona. So we took like a road trip, super fun. So yeah, we stopped yeah. through Missouri. It's pretty cool, man. Pretty chill. Um, so yeah, man, that's that's dope. So what was uh, <clears throat> man? So okay, so you started going. You started with the stock music libraries. And then you wanted to see, you know, if there's a better way. So then you started looking into music libraries. Did you start seeing success with the libraries versus the the stock music? So, and I try to tell this to everyone that wants to get into music licensing, like patience is so important Fact. because it took me 18 months to get my first placement. It wow. might, it, it didn't take me too long to like get into the library, but okay. I was learning how to produce still. So okay. I was just, thankful that they actually let me in and then i was willing to basically 
do almost like a paid practice situation where I just vomit as many tracks as possible. And I guarantee you the first track sounds completely different than the, I think I had like, I was 200 tracks in Man. by the time like it, something actually landed. Yeah. So um, understanding that and then reverse engineering why it worked was mm-hmm. like the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. arrangement, mixing, mastering, all that kind of stuff. I was like, why I need to do this again. Cause my first placement was with a Taco Bell ad wow. and it, it paid like five figures. And I was like, what is this? How does this is not stock music? So, yeah. yeah. And you got you got that through the music library. Yeah. Nice, man. And I tell producers all the time, man, like because there's different ways to approach sync. Right. You can you can do the the super the music supervisor or if you know an, an editor who maybe have their hands on projects or if you know um you know a, a composer lead composer on a project you can kind of get in or an ad agency but i feel like music libraries allows producers who you know may not necessarily be familiar with sync or or have experience i feel like that's an easier way to kind of get in and really get your feet wet um, while they still manage the relationship with, you know, the the decision makers uh, where you can kind of focus on just creating the music. You send it to the library and then they just kind of take it from there. Mm-hmm. Would, would you would you say that's been your experience as well? It's been the yeah, it's been the most efficient way to especially because you're starting from nowhere, like don't yeah. have any connections, which makes the music library like the best opportunity that you could possibly have as a music creator yeah because um, all you do is you make more music and they pitch it for you so like all you can it's like the perfect situation because now all i do is wake up and make as much music as possible and i know that eventually something's going to land and yeah after you have a catalog it's pr- it gets easier yeah i agree uh, Michael Connor has a question. I think this kind of ties into um, you. You mentioned kind of having to reverse engineer as far as structure and things like that. Um, but Michael says, I know the ABAB format is great for sync songs for instrumentals that are based on a hook. Is it wise to always, quote unquote, get to the point full instrumentation or build up the layers? <clears throat> Ooh, Good question. You want me to go first or take yeah. this one? Yeah, yeah. You can go ahead, man. Okay, so I specialize with advertising more than anything. And what I've found is that, yes, get to the point. Because guess what? If you take 30 seconds to get to an, an intro, commercial's over. That head's over, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> over, show's over. So what I'd like to do, you can still build with that format. So for instance, maybe take four to eight bars max and have something to gain some type of interest. I like to sprinkle a lot of ear candy, um, with those sections, I'll normally make those uh, those sections not eight bars but seven. That way, there's a there's a um, there's a space in between. You can put like ear candy risers, things of that nature, to nice. kind of pull the listener's anticipation or their ear okay. and build anticipation. And from there, you're you're rising to a climax point, and then normally it's a it's like a movie. Like then you get the falling resolution or whatever. Like yeah. that's normally how I like to structure my songs because mm. it take we're, what we're doing with sync licensing or I mean making music for sync is um we're either helping tell a story or sell a product yeah so like with that you have to make sure that you're we're being an undercurrent to whatever is on the screen period yeah yeah that's a fact I love that um I've never thought of that to make it like seven bars but then leave that extra bar of space and, and leave that for you know transitional elements and things that's super dope Oh, um, editors keep that up all the time. Really, I love yeah, it. They're, I, I, they're normally cutting to the the song, at least with uh, um, at least with commercials. Yeah. So it's easier for them to kind of work that way. Super dope. Yeah, I'm gonna try that, man. That that sounds super cool. Um, man. So, <clears throat> so you're saying pretty much, you know that that structure is still there, but especially with ad music, it's just happening faster. Everything is just happening quicker, essentially yeah nine times out of ten it's like every you you have the the uh what's the the adage of like change something every four to eight bars i like to use like a needle drop test and like drop in different parts of the song and make sure nothing sounds the same yeah um but with commercials it's like every two to four got you yeah things are moving super quick love it man uh how did how did that feel man that that first placement landed on a, a taco bell at 
And when did you when did you find out about it or how did you find out about it? Um, so the library just emailed me and I told my wife and we went straight to Taco Bell and bought like, like <laughs> just because it's like, man, first placement, finally something came through. And um, that was cool. But I think um, I didn't have enough understanding of how long it would take to get paid. Okay. So like with advertising, it's gotten a lot quicker. Like okay. I would say three to four months max. But I think when we first got the placement, I was like, all right, cool. Well, then maybe it should come in like in the next couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. six months went by before I got it. And I think we were more happy to finally have it because we needed it at that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a really cool experience. That's cool. So with, you know, I haven't, <clears throat> the only thing ad wise I kind of had, and it was, it was more so like a campaign thing for Adidas. It was like a, it was oh, on the, snap. like the internet thing. So it wasn't like a TV ad or anything. I haven't had any of those yet, but from your experience with getting ad placements and, and kind of specializing in that space is like, how is, is royalties the same as like, say, you know, reality TV placements or like a TV show or, or film placement on a streaming network? Does, is that set up the same or is that different because it's an, an ad? Good question. So because you normally have a limited use on an advertisement. So for instance, the terms normally might be like three to six months or mm-hmm. sometimes I've seen some uh, for about a year. But outside of that, some it just depends. I'm not too experienced with a lot of um, royalties on the back end for advertisements specifically. Okay. Because it's either uh, you're dealing with companies that they'd rather just buy it out. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So normally what I tell guys is like if you're trying to get into ads and they offer you a buyout deal, they're fine. Just make sure you're getting five-figure minimums because you'll never – you won't be able to capitalize or monetize off that song anymore. Gotcha. Um, so like – Normally, I would say outside of sometimes they're, they do offer like letting you have the back end, um, but depends on the library situation, too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it just I guess it kind of just depends on the, the agreement. But I have gotten like sync placements with um, ads. Here's the other cool thing is that if the term is over with and they want to run the, the ad back, you get paid again. Oh, because nice. that same music. But the yeah. term's up. So that like, um, makes sense. That's the really cool part about it. And then on the flip side, yeah, sometimes you can negotiate like, okay, well, if you guys don't have as much of a budget for the uh, the uh, front end of stuff, like you're going to have to we're going to have to do something about the back end. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's super dope, Um, man. So we got some we got some questions. Let me see. Let me scroll through here. Um, We got that one. My guy Eric Nevo says, do you. Uh oh. I just lost it. Oh, do you perform all of your following, all of the following for your songs, um, copyright pro or song trust and sound exchange or only some of these? Um, I know me personally, well, working through libraries specifically, um, they're they're handling like most of that. Um, so yep. I create a track. I send it to the library. They're going to handle pro registration on my behalf because technically they're the publisher. So they're going to list their publishing company, me as a writer. Um, the copyright situation is just dependent on what that deal looks like. Sometimes you may be assigning that copyright. So then they handle all of that stuff anyway. Um, as far as song trust, I don't register stuff that I'm sending to libraries or other publishers with song trust because the, like song trust is a pub admin and it's, it just mm-hmm. won't work because there's other publishers pretty much. Um, and then sound exchange. I don't I don't really worry about either. But uh, what's what's been your experience as far as that's concerned? Um, I always recommend if guys are trying or first getting into sync, it's always good to have them registered with a PRO mm-hmm. um, just because it makes it um, the perception of like having your business handled is uh, way better and raises your chances of actually getting accepted to make a publishing deal with the library. Yeah. Um, outside of that, like no one ever asked for copyright song trust is not the, that's not what they're for. It's not built that way. And then sound exchange. Yeah. I, I only, I normally just handle, make sure it's registered with a PRO. And now most libraries do that for you. Like yeah. Clint said. So 
If you're a producer and you want to get your music placed in TV and film, but you just don't know where to start, the Road to 10 Placements is where you start. This is the ultimate blueprint to landing your first 10 TV placements, and it's the exact blueprint I use to get started in sync without having any connections or without having any placements. This course is going to teach you how to produce, prepare, and pitch placement-ready music for TV. This course has helped producers all over the world get placements on networks such as MTV, NBC, VH1, NBA Network, Hulu. Netflix and a bunch of others. Listen, it took me seven years to get to my first TV placement, but this course has helped producers see TV placements in as little as six months, which is insane. So this course can help you go from zero placements to TV placements fast. Enrollment is now open, so go to RoadTo10Placements.com. That's Road to the number ten Placements.com. Make sure you use the discount code Podcast Twenty to take twenty percent off at RoadTo10Placements.com. Go and roll today yeah easy stuff man nice um let me see your says <laughs> i guess that's how you pronounce it your how do you know that you have enough layers in a track making tracks for artists you always have to leave space for the artists who's their thing is it the same situation how do you know it's a good question yeah 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 um, um yeah i'll um, let you tackle i'll let you tackle that one we're, we're both musicians too so i don't know if you struggle with it but oh, I, early man. on i struggled with overproducing, overplaying yep. stuff all the time so what's your take on it all the time i, I yeah it's a, it's still a, it's an ongoing battle for me because <laughs> I, I, like, I write trailer music and okay. so like there's already like eight I, I had to bust a track out uh this morning there was like a hundred tracks on the on the stupid project just oh, because wow. like you got your your string instruments your brass and uh, crazy sound design and like it's it's insane so like under that that's how i kind of get that out of my system but when i'm when i'm making like uh, more simple tracks for advertisements or tv shows yeah. normally what i try to do is i'll find an acapella and i'll throw it on top and if i can't understand every single word there's something in the way you know, you think about it, especially with instrumental music, like if you I mean, there's it's necessary to sometimes have a lead. But if you have stems like they'll take it out if they don't need it. So like True. simple will definitely get you way further than having a bunch of stuff into a, a track. It just it gets in the way. And again, we're we're handling we're uh, what's the word? We're artisans like we're we're get, we're providing a service to help the filmmaker. So yeah. like. No one, I mean, it's going to be put on the wallpaper anyway. So, like, why waste the extra effort? Exactly. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> um, man, what, how did I over, I don't know. Like, it took a minute, you know, like I had a, a production mentor and he was just like, yo, take that out, take that out, take that out. And I was like, okay. What? There's no music left. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, like now, um, you know, depending on what I'm working on, you know, I'll have the, the main progression or keys or whatever. Um, and then I may have paths that's playing the same thing or something like that. Then I'll have like a melody um, and, and then the bass line. And then other things are just kind of complementing everything else that's going on. But um, yeah, it, you know. Uh, I'll tell you something else I yeah. learned from a mentor of my own. The human brain can only listen to three different conversations successfully at a time. Oh, wow. So you can use that for mixing. You can use that for when you're producing and adding a bunch of elements. You can only listen to three things. So obviously, you're going to probably be listening to the drums in most Western music, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have a melody. And then maybe the chords will be actually perceived to an average listener. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, like nothing else is really needed. That's interesting. That that actually <clears throat> that clarifies a lot in my personal life <laughs> because <laughs> listen, I have my three year old saying something to me. I have my wife saying something to me, and then there's like a TV, and then my three year old's iPad. And I'm like, yo, something has to stop, yeah. <laughs> like because I can't. Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, that's that's dope, man. That makes a lot of sense, and that 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 could be a great. Uh, a great tool to use like when you're when you're producing is keeping that in mind so yeah appreciate you sharing that um t lamar wants to know if you use templates <clears throat> i have one temp i have two templates okay. um i have one for just overall sync licensing which has my drums already loaded up my my go-to bass my mm -hmm. go-to 808 and um 
I have a bunch of like sound design. I have I have a sound design template that I throw on um, that helps me like flip samples and chop them up and stuff like that so yeah. that they're recognizable. Um, and then I have a trailer place or not trailer placement, a trailer uh, template where I have like every section of the orchestra, the drums, and all that kind of stuff kind of set up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. Templates are the the cheat code, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely have them. Definitely use them. You mentioned trailer music. Let's talk about trailer music because I got a brief. Um, <clears throat> it was maybe it was uh, was it a few months back, and pretty much it was for trailerized R and B music. So mm. yeah, it was it was fun, bro. Like my guy Troy Hayes, he knocked out the vocals. It was it was dope. But one thing I learned very quickly in studying trailer music just in general because i'm like if i'm gonna create something trailer wise i need to kind of figure out what trailer music does it was a completely different structure bro oh yeah um completely different so my my ababb yeah it got thrown out the window a little bit (laughs) 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 so talk about that man talk about the structure and the difference between producing say you know a, a quick track for an ad or or some some background instrumental music or song for tv versus actual trailer music okay so there's a lot to unpack trailers the the easiest way to understand and simplify trailers is that it's an advertisement okay. it's advertising the movie right so mm-hmm. because of that you want to make sure um arrangement is extremely important because if to an average listener most trailers sound the same and it's because of this arrangement because it works you have the intro which is normally like not as much energy going on maybe sound mysterious and then the the second act is the, my favorite because you get to add all the like running counter melodies and lines and stuff because like now the story is being told and they're they're doing a bunch of quick cuts with the characters and stuff like that and then the uh the section act three is what they call it is like when all the like climax and there's like just a wall of sound being pushed into the in front of the audience and it's like the really epic part and then afterwards you have what i like to call a um uh, what's it called a a button where they'll show the title and normally it's like a boom or something like that and maybe the motif of what your your um what your trailer was doing in the in the maybe the very beginning signature sounds in the intro is extremely helpful as well yeah yeah, man, it, it was a fun project um, and just getting, you know, getting exposed to, to that. So now I've created that as a template because, it, you know, with it being so yep. different. Um, yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. We got a time management question from Kimberly mm-hmm. W. Uh, so what does your time management while creating look like? Do you guys usually try to knock things out in one session with breaks or come back based on time slash when it's due? great question yeah 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 um yeah, i'll let you go on that one i i'm a time nazi when it comes to this kind of stuff mm. i it's so bad that i have a uh, production um timer on my daw on my master channel okay so i need to in order for me to feel like i'm getting the most bang of out of my uh song mm. or out of my time creating the song i have a timer uh, it's normally it's about four hours. That's mixed, starting to mix and mastered. And I'll normally maybe take 15 minute break every 45 minutes okay. if I need it. But like nine times out of 10, especially with ads and especially you could probably attest to this with television. They need it yesterday. Fact. Right. So <laughs> I actually had a situation before we got on today. Like they I within an hour, they needed a track. <clears throat> and we had something that I already had kind of put aside. Yeah. But like. Um, because of deadlines, you want to try to be as efficient as possible. So templates, I have presets that I've made that I always go to. Yeah. Um, I know you're you're a huge logic user, right? Yeah. So man. there's like keys and things that you, you can do. Um, because even if it's a small, minute fraction of time, if you can save it, it's going to pay you dividends in the back end, if you will. Yep. It adds up, man. Um, yeah, dude, like uh, you guys couldn't see it, but literally before we hopped on live, like he had to hop on a call to, to you know, sort some things out with a, with a project. And that's how it is, man. I, like I completely understand because there's times where things are needed like ASAP. And when they call you, like you want to answer. You don't want to like 
leave like return a call the next day or like half a day later i mean i've gotten briefs before where it was just like yo we need this in the next couple hours and i would be far away from home and i'm like hustling back home to try and get stems over so um time is it's super crucial <laughs> yeah man it was crazy bro like <laughs> luckily i was able to make it but and then when i when i opened the session this it was from a track that i did like three years ago when from the time that they asked me so i opened a session and i had a new I computer mean, bruh. <laughs> i had the match sounds up they didn't even notice like i went in and like tried to i reproduced like and, and went and swapped out some of the sounds because like i didn't have some stuff like man yeah exactly crazy <laughs> crazy um so yeah man time management is is key i i use i've been using asana um to kind of i'll list out projects and deadlines so i know like what's coming coming up and what's due um and kind of what's priority and then i'll kind of prioritize that um and then i, I love the setting the setting the timer thing because that really keeps you focused like when you know the timer's going off at a certain time um the, you're gonna you're gonna get it done um yeah indeed so yeah, and then um, occasionally I may I may take a break, especially if I'm mixing, um, just to give my ears a little bit of break, and then I'll yeah. I'll come back. But good stuff, man. Lorenzo Atkinson wants to know: Do you mix and master your own music for placement opportunities? Oh yes, that that skill is going to make you way more efficient because if you think about it, if you're making songs and now they're getting bottlenecked, it doesn't matter how many songs you make; it's getting bottlenecked by your your engineer, if you will. Um, you're you're going to be behind the the guy that can do everything. Yeah. So I would always say that like if you have the time, invest in that skill. I actually got into a library and then learned via trial and error. Um, and now I have a mastering chain that just works on everything. So like now it doesn't take much time to do much of anything. Yeah. So um, highly recommend learning that skill. Agreed, dude. Same same man. Like I have, yeah. The whole the whole temp like my template has the mastering chain already there. Um, I gotta do is turn on and attenuate it, right? That's it, man. Send it off because if they hit you back, you know, and they're like, "Hey, we need an alternative mix for this," like you don't have time to go back and forth with a studio or engineer. Like, "Hey, can you?" Well, I'm in the middle. I'm engineering another project right now, and then you miss out on an opportunity because you couldn't get it back in time. So, yeah, crucial. Um, the the BTZ appreciate the super chat. The question is, how do you guys do your taxes in the sync world? Okay, so um, with libraries, you, they normally sign you on with 1099s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that means that you're a, um, what's it called? You're a sole proprietor or a, um, you're basically a hired worker, right? Yeah, independent yeah. contract. Thank you. Yep. Um, and so when that happens, basically they'll send you a, a 1099 in the mail during taxes. Uh, normally what I try to do is I'll save... 15, 20%. Now I'm not a tax aficionado, so please don't listen to me. But like what you want to do is you want to try to save a little bit just so that when taxes come through, you can write, um, you can do whatever you need to. And as a musician, like you can write off all your gear, project software, uh, hardware, all that kind of stuff. Entertainment, like um, the entertainment on my tax thing is like crazy because like I have to study in order to like make music. So like all the little TV shows that me and my wife watch on like, I don't know, like BET plus or Hulu or whatever. Like, yeah, technically that's part of like market research. So yeah, my, you know uh, my CPA, she was just like, she was like, you can write off like at least 50% of the streaming services that we use. So I was like, all right, cool. Because it is like, I'm, and I really don't watch a whole lot of TV, like unless you know, like we'll watch, we'll maybe have a show or a movie that we'll we'll watch. We'll watch an episode a night or something like that, or on the weekend. But um, outside of that, if I'm watching something, I'm like listening to the, even even if I'm not, like I'm still wor- working <laughs> in some way, shape, or form, listening. So yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I do the the same thing. Um, you know, everything, every income that comes in. You know, take that 50, 15 to twenty percent, set that aside for taxes. You don't want that surprise when it's time to file taxes and you realize that you had to pay self-employment taxes or whatever on that income and then you don't have it because you spent it all so set that aside and then hopefully you know if you're keeping track of all your receipts and expenses 
you know, hopefully you can deduct a lot of that and lower your, your taxable income with those those write offs um, from the gear and the, you know, all the stuff that you do business wise. <clears throat> so dope stuff. Um, let's see. Zay Wilson says, have you worked with any libraries that are monthly subscriptions? Yeah, um, I have. When I first got started. Uh, before I went full time with doing music, I was part of um, a uh, subscription called That Pitch. Okay. And they more like micro sync. Okay. Which is cool. Um, unfortunately, I didn't like that. Um, if I didn't send anything in, like I still got to pay. What I think it was like thirty, forty bucks to just kind of have the my foot in the door to have that opportunity. Gotcha. And so after like a couple placements landed. I left because I had saved again, Missouri is cheap to live in. So mm -hmm. I saved like six months rent and then left. Cause wow. like now I had, uh, I was still matching my full-time job. And like, that was basically my, my way to get into doing this full-time. There's nothing wrong with them. As long as you're, uh, you're, you understand what other value you're getting from them. So like that pitch, they have guarantee, they say guaranteed placements. That means that like, um, they're working exclusively with companies that are purchasing their songs, mm -hmm. but it's a work for hire situation. So like, I, I mean, I, I can't remember how much they're, they're charging per song, but it wasn't as much as you would with a regular music library. Yeah. So like, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think when I, when I first, so when I first heard about sync licensing, um, I heard they, they told me about taxi. So then later on I ended up signing up with taxi, um, I think that was, was that like an annual? I think it was annual or something it's like annual, that. Yeah, taxi's annual fee. And then like you have to send in like five bucks per song submission. And it's not technically yeah. a library. It's an A&R for libraries. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and then I did that. Like, my music was trash at that point. Mix was trash, structured trash. So I wasn't ready, man. Um, but I did go to the road rally and learned a lot of information when I did that. Um, but now, you know, even like I teach producers just how to go directly to libraries or um you know supervisors if you can get touch with them just because that can get expensive you know especially if it's per submission um and you don't really know or you're just trying to get started music libraries are free they usually don't charge you you know an upfront fee um you know it's a 50 50 deal once they get some music play so you don't have you don't have a lot to risk up front going the the library route <clears throat> provides a lot of incentive as well like they don't eat unless you eat so exactly like, everybody wins yeah and usually they you know if they feel like they can place your music usually that's when they'll sign it they're not going to sign anything that they don't feel like they could they can use for the most part not at all so um, that's just going to cause them uh issues when they're trying to look through the library yeah exactly um, Gladys Brown with the question says, do you feel that people must know music theory in order to create trailer music? Mm, it could help. Yeah. But it's a must by any means, because um, I had to learn the hard way that the theory that I was using was too complex for what they needed. They were always telling me to simplify, mm. um, especially with trailers, because like, most of them, again, a lot of them sound the same when it comes to like the chord structures that they use. So like after you figure out that formula, you're pretty much good. You know what yeah. I mean? Just make different melodies and different. Um, you can play around with the structure a little bit, but you got to make sure it's still in that rigid uh, three act formula. Yeah. And you're pretty good. You don't necessarily yeah. need three. Yeah. Super dope. Yeah, absolutely, man. I know because I started like keys is my main instrument and I I play by ear um, and that's how that's how I've always played. I didn't really get into some of the theory stuff until like later on, um, mm -hmm. but it can definitely help. And, and especially with communicating, like if you're working with someone in a music department that knows a little bit more theory and they use some of the terminology, at least you'll kind of know, you know, some of the basics. But yeah, 
Producers, learning how to properly mix your beats can be frustrating and seem overly complicated. On top of that, you're missing out on an additional stream of income by not knowing how to mix for other artists and producers. Luckily for you, I created my Urban Mix in May simple video course where I show you how to balance 808s and kicks, how to create balance and spaces in your mix, how to properly balance volume, how to create clarity using EQ and panning techniques, and how to create drum mixes that punch through your mix. Plus, I'm going to give you a free frequency range guide, a look into my simple and effective mastering chain, as well as the downloadable stems to mix on your own as you go through the course. I'm also going to throw in an exclusive discount code for Waves plugins and bundles. So go ahead, go to clintproductions.com shop. That's clintproductions.com shop. So you can grab that Urban Mix and Made Simple course. Be sure to use the discount code podcast20 to take 20% off today. Again, go to clintproductions.com slash shop and grab that Urban Mix and May simple course today. Here's the thing. I I have a gripe about music theory. It's like it's not this mystical thing that you that like no one can understand. It's basically saying like, for instance, the background of uh, um, the chat right now is blue. So like just knowing that it's blue is going to help with like if someone says, hey, we need more blue in the song. It's like, oh, okay, I know how to make that. So like, not like you have to understand these crazy quadratic formulas or anything like that. It's essentially just describing what something is because we're making invisible art guys. So like we have to figure out ways to kind of describe it so that if I want you to play a C seven with a sharp nine or whatever on it, like Mm -hmm. I know what it sounds like so I can describe it to you. That's all it is. Yeah. Love it. Love it um eugene ward says i see tons of music libraries online how do you decide where is the best to post your music to or is it more of quote unquote members only type of sites i'm um i'm yet to find so i guess it's just like how to decipher which library is best honestly man I, from my experience like there's some things you can do in in research right you can first off see how long they've been around because some libraries they're new they pop up um out of nowhere they may have a few people on their roster that already had credits before they actually play something i've seen that um but you know see see how long they've been around reach out to them ask them you know what were some of their their recent placements or or clients who are their clients or whatever um and just kind of do that research maybe reach out to some of the composers that are already on their roster see how their experience has been with them but at the end of the day it's really you really don't know until you get some music in there and see how it performs with that particular library because it may I may see success with the library and then um, Jay may be with the same library and like not see anything. It doesn't mean that the library sucks. It's just like, well, the music we did, it just didn't get placed yet. So um, you really don't know until you kind of get it in there and kind of see. What do you what do you think, man? Um, That you you do bring up a good point, because like, um. Again, it's a sometimes it can be a waiting game and other times it's just like opportunity presents itself. Are you ready? Yep. Right. So like um, but there are some things that I try to look for. Like, for instance, um, and you had kind of mentioned like sometimes placements, but like instead of just showing like logos that are just super generic, like showing the actual placements, mm. I'll study those and find out, okay, like and I made a TikTok about this not too long ago. Like I don't go to Burger King for tacos. Right. So like you make hip hop, you're going to go through their placements, check out if it, if they use hip hop in TV shows. Well, that lets you know, like they work more with television networks, right? Yeah. So now you're getting these clues and things of like, okay, if this is what they specialize in, or this is what people are coming to them for, do I have music that'll fit that to continue to um, help the trajectory of what they're trying to do in the library? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Doing stuff like that helps tremendously. Yeah, agreed. Um, man, that, that sums it up perfectly. Like, you don't want to go to Burger King for tacos and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's simple. Like, it's funny, but it, like that that's that's what it is. Like, you know, just you know, just real life application, man. Um, Anthem Fox, what are the proper music files that need to be sent? Does it matter if it's MP3, Wave, etc.? <clears throat> I think it depends on each company you're working with. They have uh, I mean, I've worked with companies. They was like, just send me an MP3. It was like, all right. 
Um, no stems, <laughs> no nothing. I was like, that made my life mad easy. So, you know, and then a lot of them, you know, they want wave, high quality wave. <clears throat> that may vary, you know. Um, and then a lot of them, they have their, just their different sets of deliverables. I, I'm literally, before I hopped on here, I was finishing up printing out stems and uploading them um, to a publisher. And I probably had like at least seven stems for for each track. So there was like there was the, the full song. There was an instrumental acapella. And then there was like, you know, guitars, stem, synth, stem, um, bass, drum, stuff like that. Um, so it really depends. And then, you know, some companies, they have you name it a, sp a specific way, like a certain name and con a configuration. So, um, yeah, it really depends. Important. Say that again. I said nomenclature is extremely important for some of these libraries because they want to make sure that they can find everything very, very quickly. Yeah. Agreed, man. Um, <clears throat> I seen one of your TikToks and I think you you were talking about the importance of, of metadata and oh. like, let's let's talk about that, because. Bro, you can have some fire music, and if that metadata ain't right, nobody's gonna find it. You know what I mean? So, like, what's what's your experience on that? Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I had to learn with those two hundred tracks because I'm pretty sure a lot of them didn't because I didn't really understand what it was. Yeah, but like metadata basically is, um, how can I how can I say this? It's like the fishing bait that you use when music supervisors looking for your stuff. And so when I first got into it and started entering metadata into for uh, for tracks, I would only just put the instruments and what kind of genre it is. But what really helped me a ton was typing in feelings, mm. moods, vibes, because that's what they're searching for. Yeah. So like, if I wanted, if I was a music supervisor and I have a, I don't know, a track, you know, or I mean, a project that I'm working on, I'm gonna type in like summer or happy, and that's what you need to look for. So like having those moods and make sure they're accurate, because if not, then you, you as an artist on their, uh, their library, you're gonna get blacklisted. Like anytime something comes up, they're like, oh, it's probably not relevant. Yeah. So like make sure they're very accurate. But um, I would nine times out of ten bake that metadata in to an AIF format. Um, when submitting to libraries, just in case like your track may get passed along. And if they don't have your contact information, which also I feel like is involved with metadata. So your your um, your PRO numbers and all that kind of stuff, yeah. uh, contact information, phone number. Um, you don't necessarily have to use your phone number, but like um, your email address, things of that nature so that they can contact you to get permission to, uh, to place said song. So like um, definitely make sure that you're out of everything else moods and vibes and contact information yeah. for sure super dope <clears throat> wordplay for you to hear says but isn't that subjective like the mood and the vibe i don't like not really like to an extent there may be a couple words that someone may you know may feel different but you know uh, a p a, a slow piece of piano music that's played in a minor in minor progression or, or a minor scale is going to sound dark no matter like I don't know anybody who will hear like something played in minor super slow and sad say they feel happy after hearing that or they feel excited you know what I'm saying it's like yeah. it's just certain moods and vibes that you're going to get um based on on just how that that music makes you feel and that's that's part of theory yeah yeah that's part yep of um, C Key says, are there any directories specifically accessible to producers and how can we get those libraries for hip hop or piano type music? Um, at, d d do you use any music libraries or do you have, or not music libraries, but uh, like a music licensing directory or anything? Um, mm -hmm. just like a mm -hmm. list of contacts. I made one, mm -hmm. um, that you guys can check. Actually, I don't know if, um, if you guys are signed up to Clint's, um, Clint has one in his store that I think I started using when I first got started as well. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's 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 just worth a Google search and kind of just going that way because again, I've not found a a decent directory that will tell you what kind of music they specialize in yet. And I'm kind of working on something to kind of maybe we can collab on that. Like I'm trying to work on something where like you can have genre and then libraries that specialize in it. The problem is, is that taste changes so frequently that it's hard. You have to update it like literally every six months. Right. So yeah. Because of that, like, it's just like, you kind of, you just got to do the footwork. Yep. 
and that and that's the thing and i've i've seen requests for that like you know can you can you categorize it and it's just like yeah to take the time to do it but it's like by the time you take the time to categorize everything like you said it needs are going to change so it may change they may not be looking for hip-hop music by the time you get around to it um and yeah and and that that is a part of the work like you know we try and give you guys advice and and tips to kind of save you as much time as possible so you don't make a lot of the same mistakes that we made like kind of learning this business but um, there's just some things you can't skip and that is the process. That's the work, um, doing the research and things like that to, to find out if that library is going to be a good fit for you. Um, that's just, it's just one of those things. It's just, it's tough to get around. Um, I will tell you, um, going to different, uh, sync events like PMC or sync summit, I think happened last weekend. Right. Yeah. Um, going to those is probably your best bet if you want to find out immediately with because library owners are there and yeah. like chopping up so like that's when you can kind of just ask like hey what are you guys needing where are you looking for it's yeah. way better than like you want to listen to my music because now again you're putting yourself into a service or uh providing them value you see what yep. i'm saying yep that's good are you a pma member yes nice me too man yeah. i just PMA. got here last year and it was amazing it helped yeah. me get a partner. yeah like yeah i i love love the pma uh that for those who don't know it's the production music association um and it's just a community of people who specialize in, in production music music for tv and film and when they have you know we have like these coffee hours and things like that and you have composers you have library owners um it, yeah supervisors and it's dope and then we have like these breakout sessions and Literally, like, I mean, I've had um, I've had like a, a few libraries re and I've done like some deals just as a result of being a member and just chopping it up and hanging out with these super dope people. So highly recommend. And that's another deductible expense tax write off um, PMA membership. So um, shout out to them. This is this wasn't sponsored. It was just two PMA members talking about PMA. So, um, yeah, man. <laughs> Dope stuff. Uh man, y'all y'all hitting us with the the good questions. Let's see if we can get to a few more. Gladys Brown, have you ever have either of you ever considered trans transitioning to being a music supervisor or have done music supervision before? My answer is no. I don't want them hands. I really nope. don't. Nope. I'm good. <laughs> I, I've heard all the nightmare stories and they actually like music supervisors are trying to unionize right now because like some of the stuff behind the scenes that we didn't know about. Yeah. Like, so like I, I understand how fulfilling it can be. And because like making content with both of us, I'm sure we know how to video edit and all that kind of stuff, yeah. figuring out the right music, but like, it's a lot of stress. They're working on four or five different projects at the time. They're getting 300 emails a day and like the bass player I can't get in contact with them to finalize a deal. So like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, just maybe too much stress for me. Yeah. I, I'm like where I am now in my career, I'm still highly creative and I love to create music. And that's right. what I want to focus on right now. Um, because that's, yeah, that's, that's what I enjoy, man. I, there's a music, ah, music supervisors do a lot, man. It's a lot. Like you said, it's a lot of stress. Um, that's why, that's why we tell y'all like please be human and um and sensitive when you're reaching out to them man because they're juggling a lot and just extremely underpaid and undervalued um, understand that perspective is going to get you a lot further than the next guy yeah facts um so yeah answer is no for for both of us apparently <laughs> hard pass yeah and I, I know like you know some some friends i know that that has kind of fallen into their lap like them not necessarily looking for it um but yeah i mean even man even just the submission side of things man that's a lot you know i've done some you know put some briefs out there and man just sifting through music people not following instructions like yeah i'm good i'm gonna sit here in the studio and just make music for now <laughs> yeah uh lorenzo what's the best music production software to use for pc i'm starting to use cakewalk what do you use um i'm a mac user are you you're a mac user too mm -hmm. it's team mac lorenzo i'm sorry man you're on your own 
<laughs> no, I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter, man. Yeah. If you if you get good with cakewalk and you know your way around cakewalk, use cakewalk. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like whatever you decide to use, just get comfortable with it. Learn the tools, learn the shortcuts, and, and make it work for you. At the end of the day, you know these companies they're listening to your music. They're not listening like, oh man, he made this on cakewalk. He should have used Logic Pro. Right. They can't hear the difference. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter, man. Go go with what you feel comfortable with and, and make it work. Um, let's see. There's the Max too, where like they'll update and like now I got to go get a bunch of new uh plugin updates or something's not working. So yeah, <laughs> the dangers yeah. of that. Exactly. Yeah, dude. I I had I built a Hackintosh because of that, and then it it was cool for for a few. I probably used it for like five or six years. Oh, um, nice. <clears throat> yeah, and I did it because I was just like, man, any. If Apple decides to make this machine obsolete, like, you know, I'll be able to update some parts and then get back to it. Then they switched to M1 and I was like, okay, well, back to square one. So then I went and got another <laughs> Mac. So, you know, pick your poison, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, D Holiday says, is sending a link to sync companies better than sending attachments? If so, why? What kind of link should you send? It's a great question. Oh, um, man. <laughs> never I, I never send attachments I, I never recommend it oh, the, like the only time is if the person you're talking to explicitly asked for you to just attach the mp3 it yeah, rarely happens but that's the only time I would do yeah. it <laughs> don't do it um Clint have you checked out all right now let me ask you something do you use disco yes love disco have you checked out their new pages vibe no what is that Oh, okay. Is it okay if I share screen? Because I'm sure I you're going to. So. I think yeah. I think it'll let. Does, would it let you on your end? Um, it has the option. Hold on, let me pull something up real quick to make sure. Okay. Um, basically, it makes it makes your playlist look like an EPK for an artist, and oh, wow. it's extremely cool when you're trying to present different music for different uh different projects and things of that nature. Okay. Um, and. I really think that it's going to help people in the long game here. That's Let me check this out. Let me make sure it's working. Cause they we had a we had a sneak peek up on it um I wanna say a couple months ago and they finally released it mm -hmm. and it just it just looks really cool. Check this out. Okay, can I share screen? There we go. Perfect. Awesome. <clears throat> so can you guys see this? Um, hold on. I'm a, I'm going to add it. Let me see. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> throw no. a monkey wrench, but no, I think no, you're good. really, really cool. Here we go. Boom. Okay, cool. Awesome. So as you can see here, I send them this disco link and as you can see, they can save it to their disco, which is like the coolest cheat code, but it has, you can put artist bio here. You can put in like videos. That's and it's basically fire. the same thing, but it just it just pops. Yeah, it, just it does. Pops. And then the so, yo, that's sweet. Yeah, man, it's cool. So I highly recommend like check that out. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna look into that like today. Um, yeah, dude, disco disco is dope. Um, especially like if you're you're already in this and you're you know you're sending pitches and playlists and stuff like that. Disco is really cool. If you're just getting started. Um, I know when I when I first first started, I was using SoundCloud. I don't really like that anymore. But um, you know, I would recommend Box.com. You can get a free account, create a folder, name the folder, put your files in that folder, um, along with maybe a like a, a PDF or something of if you got lyrics, lyrics, uh, metadata, or a spreadsheet or something. It and then it depends on what the company how they want to receive stuff as well. They may have something where you just upload directly on their site um so just ask you know how they how they want to receive music before you just load them up with like yeah. your entire catalog <clears throat> um and usually they don't like attachments just because it fills up their email and it's just it's hard to keep track um space of precious yeah. to that 
Yeah, exactly, man. Um, so man, dude, this was I'm not gonna hold you, man, because we both got projects we gotta knock out, but this was super dope, man. I appreciate you coming through um and and just you know chopping it up hanging out with us we'll have to do this again um let the people know you know where they can find follow you find out more information about you what you have going on um and and whatnot well clint thanks again for giving me the privilege to do this this was super fun i i try to do q a's on tiktok sometimes but like nice. your the structure for this is just perfect so thank, thank you. you no um, doubt no doubt you can find me on all social media xj underscore will we do free trainings every month on how to get started with sync licensing with like three four steps and get you guys equipped to uh start making some making some music and and getting paid what it's actually worth i think that's the biggest thing because honestly like streams can't pay the bills right so um yeah just follow any of my social medias normally the link in bio has all the information to get in on the free training yeah super dope man so you guys make sure you follow him make sure you tap in with him and the resources that he has and um yeah man that's it man i appreciate you guys tuning in if you haven't already please be sure to like share and subscribe and i'll catch you guys on the next one peace Thank you for listening to the Music Is My Business podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, be sure to do so now so you can know every time I drop a new episode. If you found the information helpful, please be sure to rate and review the podcast so we can get this dope info out to more music entrepreneurs like you. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to learn more about how to get your music placed in TV and film, visit ClintProductions.com today to download my free six-step guide to TV placements. These are the steps I took to land my first 10 TV placements in a little over a year. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.